0: Hi, I'm Jamin Brazil, and you're listening to the Happy Market Research Podcast. This is a special episode connected to the Insights Association's Next Conference, which is being held in Chicago on June 13th and 14th. My guest today is Frank Kelly, Head of Innovation and NPD at Ipsos. Now, Frank, I do have a question. I have always said Ipsos. I think it's pronounced Ipso. Is that correct? If you're French. (laughs) Okay. For everybody else, Ipsos works fine. (laughs) Perfect. So Ipsos is a global market research and consulting firm headquartered in Paris. Founded in 1975, Ipsos is publicly traded and ranked in the world's largest market research agencies, actually number three, I believe, with offices in 88 countries and employing over 16,000 people. Prior to joining Ipsos, Frank has held senior leadership roles at Nielsen, Greenfield Online, TNS, and Lightspeed slash GMI. Frank, thanks so much for joining me on the Happy Market Research Podcast. Ah, Thank you very much, Jim. You're speaking at this year's next event on how to integrate voice in your total customer experience. My second episode on this particular podcast was centric to voice. I am so excited to see a conference, the first conference that I know of in our space that is really kind of centralizing the communication around this particular medium. Uh, How did you first come to realize that voice was important?
1: If I go back maybe eight or ten years ago, when I started seeing people use voice to text, it dawned on I me, mean, well, as soon as people start using features like that, you know, there's, there's bound to be an application in research because they're, they're just showing preference for a way to communicate. And uh, we have to accommodate those preferences in the way that we capture data. But I, I guess the real big thing was certainly when uh, when Siri was introduced by Apple and I think it was 2011, um, that really uh Seem to show the promise of what you can do with with voice uh, uh, communication, and showed that with with work, and that that eventually that could become a major component of how we collect research data.
0: Yeah, for sure. It, you know, it's interesting. Two thousand and eleven, I think it's two thousand sixteen, September two thousand sixteen, that Alexa launched. I might be, I think I have that year right. Does that sound right to you?
1: That sounds right. Yeah.
0: Um. So the you know big head start that apple had inside of this space and yet really not i mean they certainly have taken a back seat from a growth perspective uh with google home now being the fastest growing voice-based platform and obviously Alexa. i think Alexis is still dominant
1: yeah well again the, the a lot of people are using the apple the siri on their other devices so it's not just the the voice assistant devices that we should think about it's uh because research could be captured probably more commonly through uh the voice assistance on the phone.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The it's, it's interesting how, like I was talking to my kids. So I have a bunch of kids, um, some older ones and some younger ones. So the younger ones are utilizing, and this is all just kind of organic. Are using utilizing Alexa right now to play hide and seek? (laughs) It's just really funny. It's, you you know, Oh, Alexa, stop. Sorry. And, um, (laughs) I'm going to, she's now going to be called a, no, no, stop. so, so the, the other side of it is, you know, my, my kids, my, my older kids, rather they're, they're talking about how, you know, it would be really cool if they could get an audio feed that highlighted stuff coming out of their Instagram account that they could then somehow magically connect right to their, to their, uh, phones. So, you know, to getting the visual, visual pieces there as well. It's almost kind of th- thinking about it like a, like a, um, uh, you know, morning notification or update or what have you. So anyway, it's funny how you think of something like hide and go seek, which is very much a tangible visual based game can be, and has been created in a voice only context. And, and then you think about how that, you know, the other piece that I think is interesting, you, you mentioned, uh, Siri 2011, my my daughter, I got her an iPhone. She was ten years old at the time, and which I know is early, but don't judge. And we're driving, and I asked her, you know, let's talk about your best friends. That sort of dad conversation, right? In there, she said it was Hannah, another girl named Emma, and Siri. And so I, she's actually pretty clever. My daughter, at least I like to think so. But anyways, and she she actually told me in the car that she was all in. Like Siri is a real human being and just happens to be constantly available to answer questions that she has and and she was making it an, and like the top people in her life one was an ai
1: <laughs> wow that's a that's an interesting story and it is true there's there's there are people that are interacting with these devices uh, constantly many times during the day and and they become they customize the voice to their particular accent, to their gender, to you know, <laughs> to their favorite sports player, whatever it might be. Right, and, um, and it becomes a, a pretty indispensable component of their day to day life.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think I think that you know, as we pull back the user experience, you know, I'm, I'm not asserting your age on the podcast, but I'm you know, I didn't grow up with social media by any stretch of imagination. Libraries were you know, a source of information for me, not the internet growing up. And, and, you know, so my context is completely different than like my kids who, you know, are, you know, my teens who are growing up with access to social media, the, pretty much their whole awake life. And then now my youngest, my two and three-year-old who are interacting yet a whole different way with technology and access to entertainment and information, right? So it's a, it, it, we just can't, as leaders, we just need to make sure that we have that. And I think this is like at an industry level, we need to make sure that we create that humility to understand that, you know, there's a massive evolution that's happening in these other two generations that, you know, we just don't exactly connect with.
1: Yeah. I mean, that concept came out a while back with the digital natives and so forth. I'm not sure what we call the, the the youngest generation <laughs> because they're right. uh, even more native, but, but it does also, you know, suggest that, um, you know, that across the other generations, the, uh, you know, that, that there are some that maybe are much less, uh, Uh, amenable to these technologies. And so it it, uh, means that when we create research services, we have to really cater to quite a range of capabilities in the technology space. Um, And, uh, you know, if we want to be, in in many cases, we have to use multiple modes of data collection, which um each have their their challenges. And, you know, they may be well suited for certain generation and and not so well suited for another generation. So you have to have a secondary methodology, then you have to try and make the two methodologies kind of fit together somehow in order to to, uh, capture the representative data.
0: Are you seeing it as kind of like an analogy being, you know, we went from paper to internet. So, you know, this whole like transitional transition in uh, market research, obviously there's still some surveys that are paper-based but predominantly the internet has taken that space over and then later on you know 2006 the release of the iphone smartphone so now you've seen you know from 2006 to 2010 uh, again a migration i think the majority of surveys now over 50 percent are taken on uh, smart devices um are you seeing voice yeah, I, as part of that narrative or? I, I
1: could say you know i could talk about several different you know waves of innovation and how they've that the adoption have Uh, research has followed the adoption curve from, you know, from, I worked in postal and I do to go back to those era. worked in postal and caddy and face-to-face. And, uh, and so most of those be transitioned to the online world. And then with mobile coming in, moving from computers to, to uh, other devices, tablets for a while as well, but they kind of seem to be phasing out, but, uh, and now everything is going, the majority of collection is, is now on, on the mobile indeed. Um, and then yes uh, within these devices such as with mobile with new technologies being available to um, to move to voice this will be an equal challenge and an equal um, opportunity shall we say to to capture data in a new way <clears throat> and, and like the other challenges you know we, we made some big mistakes you know when we first moved to the online everybody you've heard the story everybody's heard the story about we just took caddy surveys and telephone surveys and uh, and adapted them to the online, but didn't really make use of the uh, unique characteristics available on online uh, to, the, to the extent we could have. Um, and then the same story was really true. It took us a very long time to uh, to uh, almost uh, to rethink how our surveys could, could best fit in the mobile environment. And it's really just getting to that point now. And I'd like to think that at some point we learn from all these lessons and say, all right, well, you know, there's going to be a sizable portion of data collection in the future, which will be voice-based. And let's, let's plan for that. And let's, let's figure out how to leverage that, um, that new uh, methodology uh, to its fullest from the very beginning um, and not kind of drag our feet and, uh, and so forth. So um, I'm definitely, you know, seen enough of these transitions to see that this is going to be a big one and it's going to be an important one that's going to provide a lot of great opportunities. And, Ultimately, they're gonna be companies that, that do a good job of, of figuring out how to um, work in that new space and how to leverage the new capabilities of voice for, for data collection. And, and there'll be others that, uh, that don't and, and uh, uh, suffer as a result of it.
0: Yeah, gosh. I mean, your point about mobile is really interesting to me. I hadn't actually considered that, but you know, 2006 is about 13 years later. And what you just said is actually very accurate Actually, I don't even know if we if we as an industry have completely adopted it. Um, uh, we just fielded a survey that was not mobile compatible, hilariously enough, or, or we helped to fulfill sample on a survey, I should say. Uh, we saw a massive dropout rate. We're like, why in the hell is the incident so bad? And as it turns out, we checked it on our smartphones. And sure enough, you couldn't take the survey on a smartphone. There are still...
1: You know, there's still probably 25% of industry across the industry, about 25% of surveys that can't be taken on a mobile device, something like that. It's, it's still a problem, you know. Uh, yeah,
0: only if you want representation. Mainly now,
1: the problem is that the people that are only, that'll only, uh, that can do it on a computer aren't necessarily representative because there's whole groups of people that almost never work on a computer. Certainly, <laughs> they do surveys on a
0: computer. <laughs> That's exactly right. Such a great point. You know that's a, a, another interesting point there too, and I know we're a little bit off topic, but is uh, Rohir uh head of insights for LinkedIn, told me the day of the email uh, solicitations is dead, which he's like you know making more of a, a point, not not like a state of truth. The you know his his point is that there's entire people, there's entire parts of their organization that don't, literally don't check email. Anymore, right? They're using Skype or, or sorry, not Skype. They, oh, yeah, are using Skype. But they're also using uh, uh, Slack and other other platforms yeah, Slack, for various
1: chatbots. Yeah.
0: Exactly right. Exactly right. For um, they you know so you literally you know if you're exclusively soliciting feedback through email, which worked great prior, then you know you you may be missing a- access to a subset of the population.
1: Yeah. Well, on that point, I mean, we we see ourselves soliciting responses from respondents through a, at least a handful of different ways. You know, there's in-stream, which is sort of in social media or in LinkedIn stream there, you know, where you're recruiting people <clears throat> sort of um, in real time to, to a survey. There's um, in, in, in reality, in augmented reality, and um, uh, there's, there's quite a bit that's being done there <clears throat> in social media, in, uh, uh, in voice, as well as uh, <clears throat> um,
0: the typical right.
1: email and and uh, and other communications methods <clears throat> excuse
0: me so what is the biggest challenge for market researchers to get consumer opinions in a voice context
1: well <clears throat> I, I would say that um we can't underplay the the technology challenge of um of the ai component so you know what we really need to have is a conversation with respondents and <clears throat> conversation between a computer and a person and to do that the computer has to understand what the person's saying and use that uh, that understanding to then ask further probing questions um, it, it's one thing to just say okay can we take these basic closed end questions and get a computer voice assistant to understand them and i'd say yes we're pretty pretty well there on that part but that is back to the point earlier, that's just taking mistakes of, of you know using <clears throat> you know what worked online and trying it on the next mode uh, when there's an opportunity to do better than that, and that's through really moving to a more conversational mode in the voice context. And to do that, you really have to be able to understand what people are saying. And I think we we're, we're, there's there's great progress being made in this area, you know that you can train a database, at a category level. You can buy, you know, take social media data, for example, and use that to train a research database, which is much smaller and not adequate for training a database on the terminology used and so forth. But but we're not really there yet um, for large scale conversations, shall we say. Um, But that's that's where the ultimate goal is to me uh, is is as as we progress with AI, with natural language understanding, natural language processing, um, we'll get better and better over time. At being able to uh, make sense of what people are telling us, and based on that, asking asking the right questions to follow up on that.
0: So, in 2023, it's projected that about 80 billion dollars will be done on voice, which is obviously a material part of um, it's a. It becomes a material channel, right? For for whether it's Walmart or Amazon or whatever, Google, etc. And that's a that's a. That's kind of around the corner, so to speak, right? When you're 48, like I am, it's, it feels like it's pretty close. Um, why do you think voice isn't a bigger deal in context of insights right now?
1: Well, it is getting a lot of <clears throat> a lot of uh, voice and <laughs> a lot of <laughs> mentions at the moment. Um, you know, it, it's got even more buzz than, like I say, augmented reality. I just mentioned earlier is is actually probably an even bigger industry than voice is today, and yet it's not uh, that important in in a research perspective. Uh, uh, So I think it's uh, part of it is that I think research companies are pretty good at adopting and using new technologies, but we're not that great at developing them. And so we need other industries that that come up with these new technologies to kind of come around and come into our industry and, and help us figure out how to best deploy those technologies. And so, you know, the big industries for voice are things like automotive or security or financial or retail. You know, they're the early movers. I think the research industry is a bit smaller and uh, the technology companies will will be fo- focusing on research as an opportunity in the near future. But um, it's it's the, the challenges here. Technology is a bit more too complex for most uh, research technology companies to try and tackle and, uh, and optimize for, for research purposes.
0: Yeah, the... Do you see that as more to your point? Do you see that as more of a like partnership opportunity for a company like Ipsos, or, or is it is it a hybrid where you're going to be developing or developing your own set of suite of solutions?
1: Well, <clears throat> the industry tools are going to be pretty good. I mean, I I don't know that many research companies are going to be able to tackle uh, uh, partner with the likes of Apple and and Google and such, <laughs> right? Um, uh realistically but they, you know they're making good tools available to be used and um and I think it's uh, you know we've already doing stuff within um Amazon and so forth where we can you know you can get a skill uh, you know picked up by those by those applications so that you can get surveys in there and we're going to have at the next conference we're going to have some good uh, demonstrations myself and my co-presenters will be showing several uh, examples of, of real projects that we've run this way um, <clears throat> So uh I, I think there are tools that we can leverage um I think that uh there there'll be building blocks that that people will build upon um because again we we need wide availability of these tools within you know whether it's you know Siri or uh the Google uh voices and so forth we we need these this technology to be deployed out there and then we just have to make use of it
0: Yeah right so I mean kind of the analogy being for me if you look at like whether it's Facebook ads that have A/B testing baked in, or Google Analytics, obviously, which will show give you a nice point of view of, of what's happening in web in your in your website uh, or apps or whatever. Um, you know, you it's you know, market, one of the things that market research is doing a good job of right now, I think, at the brand level is tethering that data to stated you know consumer opinion data and then creating more context for the business insight. And it sounds like what you're saying is voice is gonna follow a similar suit where you've got these you know, building blocks or whether it's AWS or what have you, that uh, will empower uh, you know, the bulk of the platforms and then specialty pieces, whether it's an injection of you know, uh, you know, the, lady, the lady whose name starts with A, who I don't want to be on the interview. Uh, you know, does she, you know, she could follow up with a, "What did you think about that last purchase?" Right? That that sort of, that sort of structure.
1: Yes, um, <clears throat> I yes, I would say that 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 uh, we don't need to create everything from scratch. We just need to um, th- th- these tools. Everybody has a mobile phone. Many people have voice assistants. We just need to leverage the technology that, that already exists within them. And, um, and and then we can layer on other technology, you know, in, in the case of, you know, the voice assistant, yeah, you, you're, you're not getting actual voice, you're getting the transcription of the voice. But in, I think video analytics is is on the rise and I think that's gonna be a, a big uh, voice, a type of voice uh, data right. capture that uh, will be very important to the industry uh, because I do think that the, you know, the sentiment and emotion and voice tonality and, and all those different things that you can layer on there further help you understand uh, your research participants uh so um <clears throat> i think that you know down the road you know i, I could see us doing segmentations based on you know uh, on voice you know um based on what what we teased out of a voice uh, in terms of uh, the the personality types or and they could be equally as valid as what they would answer in a in a in a questionnaire
0: I think you've actually already answered this in a number of different ways, but I'm going to really try to kind of hone in on on this practical point. So what is one practical takeaway that people can get, participants can get out of your talk at uh, NEXT?
1: So I I think that, um, yeah, what we're really looking at is, uh, you know, I'm I'm a sort of a field work expert, if you will, I've been doing it for a long time. And so what I tend to look at is, I, I know the questions that researchers are gonna ask, they're gonna ask a lot of questions about representativity and how you blend sample, um, you know, how you adjust the data for different collection modes and those types of things. So I'm, I'm gonna try and at least get some initial answers to some of those uh, researcher type questions. Uh, you know, in addition to uh, the, the use cases that uh, we hope to uh, have several, like I said, good use cases that uh, will illustrate um, the best ways to, to leverage this functionality. Um, and I, one thing I didn't really explain is I, I think that in like a diary situation, there's a lot of repetitiveness in, in, the, in the data collection. You know, you don't want to be asked the same question again and again and again. So this, you know, if you have a series of five questions you need to ask in a diary several times a day. Every time you do something like you need laundry or something, you can, um, you know, using the, the AI techniques, you can just give an answer for the, all, all four questions at once, and the, the, you know, the voice assistant will listen to it, think about it, and recognize that you had answered all the questions and just say thank you. So there are some practical um, uses like that which do make the research experience. Uh, better for the participants, and that's really what we're we're, we're focusing on uh, in the near term. Yeah,
0: I think that. Is, so the, I'm really excited about the point you just make, which made, which is, you know, we care about the consumer experience, the 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 respondent experience, right? Research is right now being done at a scale that is unprecedented. You know, if, even if you look back three years ago, it's crazy. But if you look back ten years ago or twenty years ago, it's mind-boggling that we're doing as many uh, surveys as as we are right now. Everybody is doing surveys, it feels like. I got my tires changed the other day, and guess what? The local tire shop, which is not like a national chain, it's just like, you know, <laughs> sent me a follow-up NPS survey. It was hilarious. So, you know, the, really starting to care, see market research as a brand, extension of the brand, I think, is is important. And and so we need to be better stewards of, of the respondent, which, you know, I, I kind of go back to the eHarmony example. I don't know if you're familiar with that product um but you know yes yeah so they directly but (laughs) right right they had a um prior to being married i did use them by the way uh but it was it was arduous because it it was right when they relatively were new and it was about a 400 question survey i mean it was it was it was really really tough like a multi-day thing and they were able and they were very early in the space they were able to reduce it to a subset of open ends with just a few questions closed ended questions and then from the open ends to populate the 400 variables that they needed in order to optimize matches right so the interesting part there for me is you know they they did this in a a text-based environment and early leaders in uh, sentiment and 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 such but but you know now you think about like the 30-question survey or 30-minute survey that's nobody it's really hard to do that like i would argue nobody could actually do that maybe a quarter of a percent but um you you could actually have a conversation with and have that be meaningful and then ultimately populate the data set in a way that can be analyzed for researchers
1: yeah, that's, that's very much my, my point of view, that uh, <clears throat> if you think about qualitative and quant, you know, big, big qual, they're, they're kind of coming together. In a, and, I, and I think it's a good thing, because qual people are good at listening, right? Uh, and, and quant people are really experts at asking questions. But they tend to ask questions with, you know, with a set of closed-end responses. And what we really need is, is good questions with open-ended responses where, you know, um, people can uh, say whatever they want, and then people that say certain things that if we find particularly interesting, maybe we go back and do a return to sample through a voice survey or some other method. Um, you know, it might make for tougher data analytics because it's less, you know, structured data. But ultimately, again, it's getting more towards a conversation, and and that's a, you know, w- person to computer where each conversation eventually becomes unique, and it's driven by the re- by the participant, not by the researcher you know and and that's when we've really know we've come full circle from the original days of you know face to face and caddy where it was a conversation as well um but then you know we put a lot of technology in between and um and and methodologies that uh, in some cases made it easier and more efficient for us but didn't necessarily preserve the um the deep insights that we we were trying to get um and so you know so ultimately if we can find a way to do things fast in that scale with deep insights then we've really succeeded right
0: and i think oh my voice gosh. is
1: going to be one of those ways that's going to help us get there
0: yeah for sure i've been seeing this as a growing trend and you know, i was just at iax in austin you know there's a lot of qualitative technology companies that have been entering the our world over the last couple of years and really if you think about it you know a survey is just a surrogate for a conversation. It just enables a conversation at scale. And the reason that we have closed-ended questions is because I'm lazy and like you know to analyze the data. Um, yeah. And and so you know what what through AI, what we're able to do and and sentiment analysis, etc., is natural language processing is to is really for the first time uh, be able to have that conversation at scale, so that we can get qualitative and quantitative. Um, or qualitative insights at quantitative numbers.
1: Yeah, and so what you can do is when you ask that uh, question, um, you know, you can get a set of responses, and then you can do probing. You can teach the this, the AI to to know what to ask. If they say this, then ask that. You know, and so it, it gets smarter and smarter when you train the database at at asking what is the next question to ask to to get deep behind the meaning of what they have in mind when they answer a question a certain way. So, um, Mm. and that's just very hard to do in a quant survey today with typical survey technology.
0: So looking forward, not too far, but relatively near term, what do you think is the next, I mean, what's next for voice powered surveys?
1: Well, let's see. Um, I think that uh, the real challenge is, of course, the surveys are too long. (laughs) And so what we need is, uh, you know, because you you really can't do a 20-minute survey and a voice survey. It's just not going to work. It really has to be more like the three- or five-minute surveys um, uh, because people just don't want to talk to their voice assistants in these long dialogues. And um, So I, I do believe that there is more and more opportunities to break up those long surveys and to look at them like you were sort of suggesting into um into pieces and ask different people different parts of the questions and uh, infer some of the questions and uh and so forth so we have to be much more creative in how we approach a survey uh, or asking people questions um and that voice could be a very good component of that um <clears throat> but it has to be uh uh change down to, you know, using them for specific situations where you're hoping to get uh, their thinking involved, their deep thinking and, and, and their open-ended kind of environment to answer a tough question, not just something that, you know, is a, is a simple chick tick box. Um, so I, I think that there will be a place found for voice surveys very soon uh, that'll be uh, just one of the tools in the box to, to capture, uh, research insights. And then over time, I think that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just find more and more uses, but I, th- I think the initial uses will be, um, you know, return to sample, like I mentioned, or, uh, diaries, uh, that have re- repetitive in nature or, um, or very short surveys, which, uh, could go out to a very large portion of the population. Um, and, uh, and it could be that, from that, you you cull out a, a smaller group that you want to do in more depth, and maybe move them back to a a, a uh, online survey. Um, so so I think there's going to be a lot more switch mode type things and and broken up surveys into pieces and uh, and sort of a, just a, a much wider range of of interviewing techniques. Uh, back to your IAEX example, uh, certainly the you know the the tools around big qual have, have been. Uh, coming out at a rapid pace over the last few years. And there's a lot of great stuff there to do more and more integrity, uh, survey uh, yeah, interviewing. And I think that, that uh, we'll, we'll be leveraging them in a voice environment fairly soon.
0: My guest today has been Frank Kelly, head of innovation and NPD at Ipsos. Frank, thanks so much for joining me on the Happy Market Research podcast.
1: Hey, thank you very much, Jim.
0: All of you, uh, for more information on the Insights Association's next conference, again, that's June 13th and 14th of this year, please visit happymr slash next2019. That's happymr.com slash next2019. Hope to see you there. Have a great rest of your day.